Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, welcome. Glad you guys are here uh, after a beautiful Easter weekend. One last weekend, gorgeous. Come on now. Man, such a great day. Praise and worship was just phenomenal. Uh, Didn't you love those testimonies of people from our house that God's changed their life? So encouraging. And then people gave their lives to Christ. It was an absolutely beautiful day. But listen now, today is a great day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I am rejoicing and I am glad in it. Come on now. Today is a great day. And so we're going to have a blast and just get into the word and try to encourage you. And I'm going to pick up pretty much where I left off last Sunday as we wrapped up the close or the end or the second half of the message of why Easter matters. Because I asked you this question, why Easter matters to us as a corporate body? And the answer obviously we gave is we're here because of the resurrection. This body of Christ was launched because of the resurrection of Jesus. But I also ask you this question, why does Easter matter to you? Why does Easter matter to you as an individual, as a person? And the answer I gave you came from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And you know the scripture very, very well. It's this, and it's this scripture right here, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Everybody say, thank God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body and his spirit is alive in you. So what that tells me is this, that uh, as we get into this message over the next few weeks that me and Pastor Hector are going to tag team on, we're gonna talk about the struggle and the solution. The struggle and the solution. But the good news is this, I understand that there's going to be a struggle. But I also understand because Jesus dwells in you, there's also going to be victory. There's going to be victory, man. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be victory. I never, ever, 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 ever have victory without a fight. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war. But because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, there's going to be a fight, but there's going to be a victory. And I'm going to win. You're going to win. Come on, say, thank God, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. So what we want to talk about is the struggle. I'm not going to run from the struggle. I'm not hiding from the struggle, but also going to rejoice that there is a struggle, but there's also a solution. And so that's what we want to get into over the next couple of weeks as we talk about the struggle and the solution. Watch this now. The struggle and the solution, a survey of sin and our Savior. Is that a mouthful or what? Yes, sir. That, that, that sounds like a, a, a TV series, doesn't it? But it's true because there is a struggle, there is a solution, but I'm going to have a, a battle, but I've got to understand that that battle is won because Jesus Christ is alive in you today. And here's the beauty of what we're talking about. Look at this. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you that I can understand this, that his example is my example for what I can expect. Now look at what I said. You didn't didn't jump in there like I wanted you to. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, his example is my example for what I can expect. 
Which means this, his example is victory. Therefore, I can expect victory. His, ex- his example is conquering. Therefore, I can expect conquering. His example is power. Therefore, I can expect power. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and his example is your example of what you can look forward to, and what you can look forward to is beating the devil down to a pulp, because Jesus is in you. And so we got a struggle, and the struggle is sin. Let's call it for what it is. The struggle is temptation. Let's call it for what it is. But the solution is Jesus giving you victory. But, but, you got to understand, I can't manage temptation. I've got to eliminate it. Do you want me to say that again? I can't manage temptation. I've got to eliminate it. Look, guys, I don't negotiate with Satan. I don't negotiate with the devil. I don't say, well, you know, devil, I, you know, I'm having a, a hard time with this temptation, but, you know, I, I had this tough background. You know, I had, and I went through a lot of things, and I've had all these struggles, and so, you know, I, 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 give me a break a little bit. I don't negotiate with Satan. I draw a proverbial line in the spiritual sand, and I say, you ain't coming in here. You ain't coming in here. Look, Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He didn't negotiate with the devil. He didn't, here's what the devil said. He said, if you are the son of God, then make those stones to be made bread. Jesus didn't say, well, you know what devil, you're right. I've been out here for 40 days. I'm getting kind of hungry. I've been fasting for 40 days and I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to make those stones to bread, but maybe if I just make it to a biscuit. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, I, I don't want the whole loaf of Wonder Bread, but what if I just get a slice, you know? Or yeah, that's it right there. One, that's what I was thinking. What if I just have one of those little Hawaiian rolls? Don't you love them things? I'm telling you, them things are good. Even that guy on TV with the funny white hair, even he likes those things. I don't know his name, but you know, nonetheless, it doesn't matter. But guy, guy, guy Ferrari, that's his name, yeah. And he said, Jesus didn't negotiate with the devil. He said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He didn't negotiate with Satan. He drew a line in the sand. Genesis chapter four, God spoke to Cain. Here's what he said. He said, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You got to master it. So I have to understand that I don't, I don't manage temptation. I eliminate it. And Colossians chapter two gives me some direction there. Look at what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, here it is guys, continue to live your lives in him. I'm going to eliminate sin. I'm gonna eliminate temptation when I understand that it's Jesus in me, it's Jesus in you, and I am going to live my life in him. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Listen, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. So here it is. What decisions must we make in order for us to live in Christ? What choices do I need to make? What decisions do I need to make to draw 
that proverbial line in the sand that we've been talking about, what decisions do I need to make? I'm going to give you three of them. Here we go. Write them down. Number one, choose what you believe. Choose what do you believe? What do you believe in? What is the foundation of your belief system? What are you really, really, really grounded in? What am I really kind of got my feet planted on? And because my feet are planted on, I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and I'm not going to be moved, baby. I ain't going nowhere because I know, I know whom I believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Ah, you missed a good place to shout. I know who I believe in. You know who you believe in. Therefore, you are persuaded that he is going to keep you against anything that comes against you. Mm. Now, you know as well as I do that we live in a day to where there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. And here's what the Bible says. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But the Bible also says that if I don't know what I believe in and really ground it in my belief system, then I get this. I get tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. How many of you will agree with Pastor Ron? There's a lot of wind out there. I could say there's a lot of blowhards out there, but I won't say that. There's a lot of wind out there, and it's it's blowing us back and forth, back and forth. Unless my feet are firmly planted on the solid rock called Christ Jesus, I'm going to get shaken a little bit. But if my feet are on that rock, everything around me can get shaken. I'm stable in Jesus' name. I used to meet with a guy. He wasn't here. He was somewhere off in Never Never Land, some other place. And uh, he, he loved God. I mean, he really did. He loved Jesus. But it was like he changed his belief system every month. And as a result of that, it was like his life did this right here. One day he's up, one day he's down. One day he's all around. He actually came into my office one day and I asked him, I said, so what's the flavor of the month this month? Yeah, he was like a Christian Baskin Robbins. Come on, somebody. And, And as a result of that, His life was everywhere, all over the place. But you know what, guys? When I know who I do believe in, again, that wind of doctrine can come against me. It's not going to cause me or you to change directions. I've got my face as a flint. And I'm solid in it. That's what Colossians 3 verse 1 says. Let's read it together. Here we go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. See, when my heart is on God, I'm not going to get bounced around back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I gave you a principle a couple of weeks ago, and it's based in this scripture right here. When your eye is single, therefore your whole body is full of light. And I gave you a principle that says this. Listen to Pastor Ron. Here we go. When my focus increases, my options decrease. Now, some of you are saying amen like that's the first time you heard that. Where were you a couple of weeks ago? (laughs) I'm just messing with you. (laughs) When my focus increases, my options decrease. When I am focused on God, all that stuff can be around me. I'm not giving into it. It has no effect on me. Let's keep reading Colossians because here's what it says. Since your heart, set your heart rather, on things above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Determine what you believe. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, here's what Colossians 3 right there does, because my key key question that I'm asking you right now is choose, determine what are you going to believe. Colossians 3 sets a foundation for my belief system. It literally shows me what I can bank on. What I know that I know that I know is not going to fail and not going to let me down. It serves as a foundation for my belief system. What then, Pastor Ron, can I believe in? Look at it, verse three, it says this. I can believe in this and it's not gonna get shaken. We died with Christ, therefore we have a surrendered life. Look, this life in Christ, guys, it's not about me. It's not about me. You know what? Everybody in this room has one single common denominator when it comes to dealing with sin. It's getting ourselves out of the way. And the minute I surrender my life to Christ and I live in that surrendered life, I get myself out of the way. But if it is is rather about me, here's what happens. It becomes what can I work for What can I do? What can I try on my own account to achieve? And now I've gone from a glorious walk in Jesus to a laborious trial in self. You want me to say that again? When I make it about me and not a surrendered life in Christ, when I make it about me, it goes from a glorious walk in Christ to a laborious trial in self. It's not about me, guys. When I just sit back and I do, I'm faithful, yes, but I do what God's called me to do and I just trust God, I know that I know that I know that God's going to provide for me everything I need because he does exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. So I ain't gotta work for it. I gotta be faithful, yeah, but I ain't got to work for it. Look, great, you need to write this down. Great faith doesn't come by great effort. It comes by great surrender. Great faith doesn't come by great effort or great work. It comes by great surrender. So when I live in him and I surrender my life to him, he's bringing to me whatever I need. Number two, the second foundation I know is not going to get shaken. Number two, we were raised with Christ. We hit, so that means we have a sanctified life. Now, sanctification is a 50-cent word that simply means I'm set apart. Anything, man, I love this, anything that the devil could try to use to infiltrate my life, I am protected and set apart from it by the mighty right hand of God. And who is at the right hand of God? Jesus making intercession for you. I'm set apart from it. I'm set apart from it. Now here's what the Bible says. Let's be honest. Here's what the Bible says. I am in the world, but I am not of the world. I'm in this crazy place. We can't deny that, right? I'm here. I'm in the world, but I am not of the world. Therefore, I've got all this stuff going on around me, 
but I'm not going let to let it have an effect on me. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. There was a, a, a movie I was thinking about and talking to Barbara about yesterday. And uh, I, I wish I could remember all the details about it, but all, all I can remember is this one particular scene. And it was about this army guy. And he was an army man that had been trained literally to just focus on, listen to what I'm about to say, focus on his assignment. You got an assignment. You got an assignment. It's to be an ambassador in God's kingdom. You have an assignment. And this guy could focus on his assignment. And in this particular scene, he comes, like they pull into somewhere in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, I don't really remember. But as he gets off this company bus, there's all this stuff going on around him. There's bombs going off, and there's rifles going off, and there's fires going off, and there's people that are crowding him and trying to get to him, and they're almost trying to pull at him. And here's what he does with all this stuff on both sides of what's going on around him. Here he is. Bam. Never look, come on somebody, never look to his right never looked to his left. He was zeroed in on what his assignment was. Why? He's set apart from that. He's in it, but it's having no effect on him. I'm in it, baby. I'm in this thing called culture. We're in this thing called society. We're in this thing called the world, but it is not in us. We have victory over it. Number three, we're hidden with Christ. Third foundation I can bank on, I'm hidden with Christ. That means, I love this one, guys. That means I've got a secure life. I have a secure life. I'm watched over and protected by the hand of God. He's covering me. His banner over you is love. He's watching over you, man. I have quoted this scripture over and over and over and over again here lately. But I'm going to quote it again. How's that? Can I quote it again? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're secure in Jesus Christ. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And I bless his holy name and forget not his benefits of security over me, who forgives me of all of my sin, who heals me of all of my diseases, who works by his tender mercy and compassion to redeem my life from the pit and fills my life with good things. Why? Because neither death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, or things past, or things present, or things to come shall separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I'm secure in God today. The, third, the fourth thing I can, I can uh, count on is we live in Christ. That means I've got a significant life. Here we go right here. I've got a surrendered life. I've got a sanctified life. I've got a secure life, and I have a significant life. The devil is doing everything he can to convince me and you that our life doesn't count. God does everything he can through his, his infinite mercy to say, you really, really matter to the world that you're living in. You're important to the world that you're living. You know, I, I stood up here the other night, Wednesday night, right? Wednesday night when, Wednesday night. Am I losing my mind? Somebody help me, I'm crazy as a loon, so. Wednesday night, night of worship, right? Yeah. I stood up here Wednesday night and I watched Pastor Jamie and Pastor Nathan have those kids come up here. 
as we prayed over them, and I watched them worship God with such might and tenacity, and I stood back on the back as I looked at them, and I thought to myself, every one of those little ones have a seed of greatness in their life. That God is wanting to water, but the devil's wanting to pull out by the roots. There's a seed of great, there's a seed of greatness in everybody in this room. But you know what, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel very great. I don't feel like, you know, I have a real significant life. Well, who would have ever known? Who would have ever thought about it? Who would have ever thought that a young man, tall, skinny boy from Kentucky, splitting rails, would have become the 16th president of the United States and written the Emancipation Proclamation? Who would have ever thought about it? Who would have ever thought that a black man from Tuskegee, Alabama, would find the invention of the main ways farmers farm today called crop rotation, and he found, listen to this, he found 300 uses for a peanut. Thank you, George Washington Carver. Who would have ever thought it? Who would have ever thought that a man from Biloxi, Mississippi wasn't going to be able to even afford to go to school? His mom and dad found a way for him to go to school. He went to Oklahoma University. He became one of the leading astronauts in NASA and sat in that capsule of Apollo 13 and helped those guys get back to the land safely. Who would have ever thought it? I love this one. I thought about this yesterday because I was watching the movie. We were watching 42 again. Who would ever thought that a black man from Cairo, Georgia, can any good thing come out of Cairo, Georgia? Who would have ever thought a black man that did not know his father would come out of Cairo, Georgia and literally change the face of Major League Baseball, but the story doesn't stop there. He went on to be the chairman of the board of directors of one of the largest co coffee companies in all of America. Who would have ever thought it? God thought it. God thought it. And you could be sitting here today saying, well, you know, Pastor Ron, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm very significant. I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to change the world. You may not change the world, but you can change your world. You ought to give God a shout right there. You can change your world. I got to hurry up. Y'all are making me preach. All right, number two, here we go. So I've got, a, I've got a surrendered life, a sanctified life, a secure life, and a significant life. That sets the foundation for what I choose to believe in. Number two, write it down. Choose how you will behave. <laughs> you got to choose how you behave, man. You got to choose how, I've got to choose how I am going to conduct my life. What am I going, listen to Pastor Ron, what am I going to let in and what am I going to not let out? What am I going to keep in and what am I going to keep out? Did I say that right? Yeah. Let me say it this way, Jerusalem was the spiritual center of Israel. What did Jerusalem have around it? A really big wall because it was keeping things in and keeping things out. Your heart is the spiritual center of your life. I've got to determine what am I letting in and what am I keeping out. And so I've got to make a determination what is controlling my life, the spirit of God or the spirit of self. What's controlling my life? Now, Colossians 3 jumps into that really, really well. Here we go. Let's read it together. 
Put to death, Paul jumps right in this thing with both feet first. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, choose how you're going to behave. What am I putting to death? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Get rid of anger. Get rid of rage. Get rid of malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of Christ. Right away, Paul says, look, this is how I want you to conduct yourself. This is how God is calling you to conduct yourself. What is he saying? He's giving us a real clear mandate as to how to conduct myself. Here it is, look at verse five. Verse five says this, just get real. Just get real. If I'm going to conduct my life the right way, I've got to get real and I've got to get honest and I've got to be upfront with what's going on. Here it is, recognize the core problem. Pastor Ron, what's the core problem? Me. <laughs> I'm always the core problem. Not, not in your life, <laughs> but in my life. You know, don't put that weight on me. I got enough problems of my own. We, again, we have one common denominator of when we start talking about uh, temptation and sin. There's one common denominator of what the problem is. It's always me. First Corinthians says this, I've given you this scripture a few times lately. Let me give it to you one more time. It says, when I become a judge to myself, I go down a path of destruction. Why? Because if I judge myself, I'm always going to deem myself not guilty. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my mama's fault. Well, guess what? My mama's sitting back there and she's just fine. It's not her fault. It's my daddy's fault. It's my coach's fault. It's my background's fault. It's my pedigree fault. No, it's not. It's me. And I've got to get myself enough out of the way to recognize the core problem. Number two, get specific. Here it is. Deal, I love this one right here. Deal with presenting issues. What keeps raising its head in your life and my life that we don't draw that proverbial line and say enough is enough? What keeps coming up, man? What keeps coming up? Man, you know, I say this really, really, really carefully. So here, Pastor Ron's heart. I, I, I don't want you to, again, I don't want you to think I'm throwing stones. I'm, I'm not throwing stones, judgmental stones. I live in a glass house. I can't afford to throw stones. So I'm not throwing stones. But one of the things that has befuddled my mind for years of ministry of people that keep walking into my office for 30 years and the same situation, the same sin, the same problem keeps raising its ugly head and they don't deal with it. Never have figured that out. It still brings the same consequence. It still brings the same problem. It still brings the same hurt, but it never ever really gets dealt with. Again, a couple of months ago, I spoke this scripture over our house, Galatians chapter five. Stand fast, therefore in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Mm. and be not entangled again with any yoke of bondage. 
Stand fast, therefore, in liberty where Christ has made you free. Liberty causes me to be free to do what Jesus wants me to do. Liberty doesn't make me free to do what I want to do. Liberty makes me free to do what God wants me to do. And when I operate that way, that yoke of bondage gets broken in Jesus' name. Number three, get serious. Get serious. I need to get real. I need to get specific. And then I need to get serious. And here's what that means. Listen to Pastor Ron as I get ready to wrap up. Focus on eternity. Man, if I'm going to be victorious over temptation, if I'm going to be victorious over sin, I can't let the devil blind me to the riches that I have eternally in my Father. And I've wondered a lot of times, how is it that we can allow ourselves to forfeit the riches and the glory that we have eternally in God for a moment of pleasure. Did you hear what I just said? How do we forfeit the eternal glory for a moment of pleasure? Well, that's because the devil tricks us and he tempts us and he twists and distorts, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But what I under, got to understand is, how can I do that? Well, it's happened throughout Scripture. That's exactly what the prodigal did, did he not? It's exactly what the prodigal did. He forfeited the riches of the father to go think he had to do his own thing. Where'd he end up? He ended up in a pig pen. Now, thank God, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is redemption, baby. The end of the story is redemption. I may find myself in sin and temptation and making mistakes and blowing it, but if I will come back and submit to God, there is redemption in Jesus' name. He makes those mess-ups new. Number three, I got to finish. Here we go. Key decision number three, choose who you're going to serve. We've talked about this a little bit. Am I serving God? I got to make a choice. Is the God of the kingdom conducting my life, leading my life, or the God of self conducting my life? Choose who you're going to serve. Colossians 3.11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. Here we go, guys. But Christ is all and is in all. What I've got to understand is I serve Jesus because he, I love this word, he is my sufficiency. I'm sufficient in Jesus. Everything I could ever possibly need, he provides. So therefore, I'm going to submit my life to him and serve him and surrender to him because he is all and he is in all. But you know what temptation does? Now listen, temptation does this right here. We know that God is God, but here's what temptation does. Temptation twists and it distorts, causing us to be a servant of our own fleshly desire. We know God's God, but again, what does the enemy do? He kind of maneuvers a little bit. He, as Pastor Ron would say, he kind of shucks and jives. He kind of moves things around, getting us to believe. We know this, getting us to believe a lie. Look at this quote from Rick Warren. It really hits what I just said. Getting us to believe a lie. Here it is. Our culture has accepted two 
huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. I do not have to compromise my convictions to be compassionate. I know I, there's a, there's a, as I told you guys, there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of wind out there. There's a lot of stuff going out there bringing that wind of confusion. I don't have to compromise what I know that I know that I know that I know to back off and not represent Jesus. Call me intolerant if you want to. Yes, I am intolerant to unrighteousness. I am intolerant to sin. I love that person but I am not going to compromise my convictions because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to hurt God's feelings either. I don't want to compromise my love for Jesus. You know, David did that, Psalms 18 through 36. That's exactly what David did. David said, I'm not putting up with this mess. Deal with them, oh God. He didn't do it with malice. He didn't do it with anger. He just said, I, if I got to make a choice between these heathens and my God, I'm choosing God every time. Here's what I want you to get and I'm done. I don't have to compromise my convictions. I don't have to compromise my belief system because every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. Is there a struggle? Yeah, there's a struggle. Yeah, there's a struggle. But there's a solution. And we celebrated it last week that he died and rose again so that you would have victory. And that same spirit that caused him to raise from the dead is dwelling in you today so that you can have victory over any attempt that the enemy brings against you to steal life. You're victorious if you allow yourself to be surrendered to him in Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you today, Lord, for these wonderful people. And more importantly, Lord, I thank you for your word that it is true. Father, the word says it this way, when heaven and earth will pass away, the word of God will still be standing. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, right now, I pray over this wonderful body of believers. And I pray over you right now. If you're here this morning, just nobody's looking around just for a second. If you're here right now and you're saying, Pastor Ron, I get what you're saying. I'm in that struggle. I need victory. I'm in that battle. I need victory. I'm in that, that war. I need victory. I want to surrender my life to him. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. But you need to surrender your life to Jesus today so that you can experience that blessing of being set apart, and that blessing of being significant in his kingdom. And you hear it saying, Pastor Ron, I'm just getting beat on by the enemy, and I wanna throw in the towel sometimes, but I'm not, but I need to experience the victory of God and the victory over this temptation that keeps presenting itself. Would you pray for me? Put your hand up right where you are. Yes, 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 yes. Yes.
Yes, you can put it right back down. You can put it right back down. Put it right back down. Yes, yes. I want you, whether, you, whether you're asking Jesus to come into your life or you just want victory, I want everybody in the room to pray with me this way. Pray out loud. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you now to just infiltrate my life. Infiltrate my life with peace. Infiltrate my life with power. Infiltrate my life with forgiveness. And I make a declaration that I want you to forgive me of the sins that I've committed. And I want victory over it now and forevermore. And I want to walk out my salvation in victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise and thank you for it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.